0: Welcome to the Sega Lounge, where we celebrate our love for all things Sega, including the games, the music, and the community. I'm your host, KC. Join me as I talk to different guests and learn more about their projects and passion for Sega. Hello, and welcome to the Sega Lounge! Last week, we reopened our doors and took a step back to relive some special moments of Season 6. This week, I'm happy to say that while this isn't an interview episode, we've got some original content for you. That said, I'd like to remind you that we now have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to by going to thesegalounge.com slash newsletter. It's a great way to be up to date with new episodes and any sort of news concerning the podcast, and occasionally the community as well. It just takes a few moments to subscribe to, so feel free to do it. now. I'm kidding. But seriously, do it.
1: The newsletter
0: <laughs> This week, although we're well into 2023 already, it's time to look back at 2022, not just from my perspective, but from the eyes of the broader Sega community. You should know the drill by now. I invited a few friends to record their answers to my questions, and what you'll hear is an edited potpourri of opinions and expectations. Up next, you'll hear from the likes of Dan of the Sega Guys Podcast, Scotty Moe of the Static Zone Podcast, Lewis of Sega Driven, Jamie of Sonic Cage Dome, Renato Almeida, Brian of the Saturn Junkyard, Matt and James from Shenmu Dojo, our artist Kopke, Lewis from the Dreamcast Junkyard and Twitch streamer Lime. I'll also pitch in with my own thoughts on each question. Let's do this. My first question was very straightforward. Which Sega game released in 2022 that you enjoyed the most and why? Sonic Frontiers surprised many, including yours truly, with a fairly successful adaptation of Sonic gameplay to an open-world setting so it's no surprise that many of our illustrious guests picked it as their Sega game of 2022. First up, we have Dan, the Mega Driver, one half of the Sega guys.
2: My favourite Sega game of 2022 was Sonic Frontiers. It's pretty much my game of the year until Christmas. Now, I was sceptical on how Sonic would work in an open world, but I feel like Sonic Team nailed it. The islands are really fun to explore, and as the game progresses... The moment-to-moment exploration and platforming become an enjoyable challenge for me. That's the best way I can explain it. The cyberspace stages were excellent too, and it's all capped off with an absolutely outstanding soundtrack. It wasn't quite perfect, but it's already one of my favourite games of the last 10 years.
0: In their usual conversational style with each other, Matt and James from Shenmudojo.com, the oldest Shenmue fan site on the internet, discuss their love
3: for Sonic Frontiers. I think you've got to say Sonic Frontiers, and I think that's going to be a lot of people's answers for this particular topic. Which Obviously, I've been hoping for a quality Sonic game for a while. Obviously, we all kind of wanted a Sonic Adventure 3, but Sonic Frontiers moves the series in a new direction, this open-world aspect. But it's just so much fun being able to sort of like parkour around, and uh, I had a lot of fun actually going out my way to collect all the heart tokens, grinding, and it's so smooth as well on the PS5 with the 60 FPS mode. I just had so much fun just exploring and, yeah, just grinding rails and stuff. It's like Sonic, Tony Hawk, open (laughs) worlds. It's probably the best parkour game since Mirror's Edge.
4: (laughs) Yeah, do you know what? For me, it is the best Sonic game since Adventure 2. It is a fantastic game. Yes, it does have some issues, of course. We're not going to skirt around them, but you need to check it out, guys. If you like Sonic Adventure 2, you like the old classic Sonic Adventure games with an open world with some of the cyberspace stages that are brilliant, check this out, guys. The Sonic Frontiers is absolutely amazing. Do it. I'm pretty sure all
3: the listeners have checked it out, Matt, but okay.
4: Hope so, but you know, you never
0: know. Although it isn't without its flaws, Brian Vines of the Saturn Junkyard in
5: its TitanCast podcast mentioned Sonic Frontiers. Not necessarily sure. I'm I'm super hooked on it. Uh, I appreciated the groundwork that it laid for maybe the future of the franchise. I think opening up conceptually was a good idea. Uh, in practice, I was a little put off by the. Um, I know, just the haphazard dotting of very linear and repetitive obstacles and challenges throughout the landscape. At least so far, I haven't really felt compelled to explore and immerse myself in Sonic Frontiers, either as a Sonic game or as an open-world game. Uh, But who knows? I mean, maybe uh, if I get further in the game, which I intend to finish it at some point, uh, maybe it'll grow on me. But either way, uh, I guess technically... Sonic Frontiers is my favorite Sega-released game of 2022, if only by virtue of the fact that it's the only one I played. So there you go. Congratulations, Sonic Frontiers.
0: For official lounge designer Kopke, Sonic Frontiers is the game to mention in terms of highlights from Sega in 2022. But he is a bit disillusioned with the company's recent outings, so he had a lot to say about Frontiers. Not all of it positive, though.
6: I was putting a lot of expectations on Sonic Frontiers, but for me, in the end, was kind of a mixed bag. There were quite interesting concepts in the game, but it feels like they threw all of them in a blender, let that run amok, and well, the stuff just happened. Uh, Most of all, most of the elements that are on the levels, like, don't have, like, proper co... are not cohesive enough, if if that's a proper term to call it, because sometimes, like, um, you know, uh, grinding reels are like just there, and platforms over there. It doesn't seem like to be part of the same world. It it feels like kind of odd. Like certain stuff is cool as new experiments, but in the end, I think the result wasn't that good for me. It might be. It seems like this might be a necessary step to evolve the franchise, but I hope the concept acquires more cohesive elements in the future. I think that defined Sonic for me, it was that he was his own thing. So, it is okay to take the inspiration from other stuff, but in the end, he's a character that must be his own. I hope this type of adventure gets better in, in level elements building. I think it would have been more interesting to make the ability progression linked to the Chaos Emeralds or, or part of the story, like, for example, certain colored Chaos Emerald gives you certain type of power and stuff and so on. But in the end, well, that depends on the developers. Anyways, I hope Sonic the Sonic road continues and improves for the better. On the
0: opposite side of the spectrum, gaming poetry is how Twitch affiliate Lime
7: Reversed describes Sonic's latest 3D title. My game of the year has to be Sonic Frontiers. And it's not even close. It's not even a competition here. It is definitely Sonic Frontiers. I absolutely loved that game. I'm sorry, but previous Sonic games, some of them, I'm not saying all, have not really been up to par, in my opinion. And Sonic Frontiers is such a step in the right direction on every single aspect. The story, they're not afraid to go into the deeper stuff. The gameplay, I've unironically described some parts of the game as game poetry. Because, oh my gosh, are some parts of the gameplay just absolutely beautifully put together. The enemies, you have to actually think about them a little bit. I um, remember specifically me having to defeat some towers within a time limit. And I didn't even know how to do that. Like, how do I do that within this time limit? And when I started to think like Sonic, I realized that, hey, I can just do this. I'm not gonna say what, but I loved that you can do that in the in the, in the game. All the bosses, every single boss is last boss quality. It is, they are so much fun to do. Some of the moves that you do, are absolutely badass and the music is amazing on every single one of them i so much love that so sonic frontiers definitely my game of the year and it's not even close
0: jamie eggman of sonic cage dome and the opinion zone podcast fame highlighted both sonic frontiers and a very different game two point campus
8: Two Point Campus is a great game, if you liked Two Point Hospital, more of the same, but very, very fun. Sonic Frontiers, you know what? Is it the best game in the world? If I'm being honest, no. But is is it, as a Sonic fan and a general Sega fan, I feel like a moment in Sonic history that you need to experience because it's an important chapter in Sonic? Absolutely, you need to play the game. You need to. You just need to. You, if you're listening to this, you already have, let's be honest. No one's listening to this and hasn't played Sonic Frontiers.
0: Lewis Clark, aka Sonic Yoda, webmaster of SegaDriven.com, took this question in a slightly different direction. He decided to talk about the game he spent the most time with. Despite recognizing its flaws, due to it being the most approachable way to play the classic 16-bit Sonic games, including Sonic 3 and Knuckles, he
9: praises Sonic Origins. So, the game I played from 2022, that Sega published themselves the most, was actually Sonic Origins. And, bizarrely, I was quite down on this initially. I've kind of learnt to reappraise it a little bit. Um, I think the thing that made me enjoy it the most was it's basically just, you know, at the moment, probably the most accessible and friendliest way to play some classic Sonic games um, and I do like that they have chosen the widescreen sort of Taxman ports for inclusion in this collection, and it's great that finally Sonic 3 and Knuckles is more readily available, um, because that's been in a bit of a state of limbo for quite a while now due to the obviously the music issues, which is still a problem in this port. They've been changed out for the uh, songs from the prototype um, version of the game, but they don't sound particularly great, the instruments chosen for those versions of the songs. Not the best. I think they should have just sourced them from the uh, from the prototype ROM that um, got dumped re- uh, fairly recently. So that would have been nice to have included that. But it's a good collection and it's a nice, um, approachable way to get your classic Sonic fix it w- with a widescreen display, which is always a nice bonus because I think uh, the speed of the Sonic games really lends itself to having a, a, a sort of a, a longer, more landscape you know screen resolution so that you can actually see more of what is coming up and react to it in time. And yeah, a widescreen dis- display really helps that. So yeah, I played that a lot. Uh, found myself getting all the achievements for that. And whilst yeah, whilst I say you know it's probably the game I played the most from Sega last year, it still has some issues I'd like to see ironed out. Um, don't know if it's going to happen at this point, but um, yeah, the fact that the the museum doesn't include the same content as Sonic Jam. And just add more stuff is a bit strange. I would have liked to have seen all the sort of, you know, advertisements and commercials and all the video stuff that was featured in Sonic Jam. But just, you know, scaled up or re-transferred in a higher resolution so that we can see things like Man of the Year in HD. Or, you know, close enough because I think it is a 4.3 video uh, resolution wise. So it would still be nice to see that in a lot more clarity in comparison to the, you know, horrible video compression of the Saturn. Uh, so it'd have been nice to have had all that stuff plus new things. I think that's the thing that I, kind of annoys me about Sonic Origins is it's is it's very much just another take on a Sonic compilation instead of being the absolute best Sonic compilation it should have been. Um, and I would have liked to have seen you know stuff that came before and then just in a, in addition to that add some new stuff. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's a bit of a you know we're going through the cycle again of well, we'll just build this from the ground up um, and, you know, here's some new some new things that you haven't seen before, or yeah. in some cases, it's basically just a recycling of the Sonic the Screensaver art again for the umpteenth time. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Definitely a big 7 out of 10 game for me, but I did play it the most last year. I think you should check it out, though, because I think it is the most approachable way to play Retro Sonic in 2022 or 2023, as it is now. Um, and I definitely think that people need to, you know, that needs to be archived and that needs to be available to people because it is important. That is the history of that franchise. And uh, yeah, having Sonic 3 and Knuckles readily available again is a a huge bonus because it is probably one of the best Sonic games, if not the best.
0: Scotty Moe of the Static Zone podcast went with a very smart answer, since it's not really just one game, but a whole system. The Sega Genesis Mini 2 was his Sega gaming highlight of the year.
1: Honestly, I had the most fun with the Genesis uh, slash Mega Drive Mini 2. It was a big enhancement to the first Mini that they released in 2019, in my opinion. If you do have the means, definitely grab it. I know it, it had a weird release situation going on but um the wave of nostalgia was just insane i sat down with road rash 2 and just remembered going through that game co-op with a buddy uh when i used to play it and what how we do that is like he would be the muscle and essentially punch a kick all the other bikers off their bikes while i would focus on winning and coming in first so that then both of us qualify because co-op worked in a weird way like that but no with the um how difficult it is to affordably get a Sega CD collection. The inclusions of Sega CD games on there was great. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing in Mansion of Hidden Souls, but it was still cool to play that. Um, You can't go wrong with Night Trap with certain audiences anyway, but no, having Splatterhouse 2 on there, um, playing Desert Strike again, of course, Jam and Earl Panic on Funkatron, which is my favorite out of the series. So yeah, that whole collection of the the Mini 2 is great and it's, it's a bummer that the Japanese version got a lot of the working design stuff so I don't know maybe I'll try to hunt down one of those too but yeah definitely the Genesis Mega Drive Mini 2 is awesome and my favorite thing that Sega released in 2022.
0: Brazilian PR guru Renato Almeida sings the praises of Soul Hackers 2 in our only mention of an atlas game so far.
10: 2022 was the year of Soul Hackers 2. It was the game that I played the most. It was one of the games that I uh, had the most enjoyment with. I had some high expectations. I, I will not lie about this. But uh, I feel that the game really delivered. So uh, I spent a great couple of hours playing it. And I, I don't regret a single minute that I spent with this game. I really, really loved the experience with Soulhackers 2. The game brought some fresh air to the entire franchise, you know, there's a lot of spin-offs in the Shin Megami Tensei series, uh, including Soul Hackers. I did have the chance to play Soul Hackers 1, uh, the remake on the the Nintendo DS, but uh, I was expecting the second one to be even better, you know, in terms of gameplay mechanics, and the game really delivers and the thing that i like the most is that the package in the in which this content comes uh it's really surprising you know the game has a lot of style uh, the visuals the graphics the characters and also the soundtrack is really amazing it was one of those games in which you feel like captured by the the combination of the sound and the visuals and I couldn't put the controller away, I was playing uh, every day. And if I'm not mistaken, I played for more than 40 hours. I did get the, the ending a little before that, but, but I had to play some more to see if I could, found, if I could find more content and more uh, side missions and etc. But it was a game that I really loved, especially for this combination of visuals and sounds.
0: Lewis Cox is a writer and podcaster for the Dreamcast Junkyard. With that in mind, it's no surprise his answers to this episode's questions went in a slightly different direction. Since he aims to spread the gospel of the Dreamcast wherever and whenever he can, he focused his participation on this week's show on games released for the Dreamcast. In this instance, while not exactly a Sega game, the officially sanctioned port of postal for the Box of Dreams.
11: So, in case you were unaware, the Dreamcast scene has been really bustling for the last so many years. Due to how exploitable the console's hardware is, it is a perfect base for releasing indie games on. In 2022, we saw great titles like Shadow Gangs and Rocketron come out from publishers Pixelheart and Wave Game Studios, respectively, as well as re releases of games such as Flea and Xenocider, also from Wave. The 2022 Dreamcast indie release I wanted to focus on the most, however, was a port of controversial 90s PC cult hit Postal, which was officially sanctioned by the original developers running with scissors and released by Wave Game Studios in May. Whilst this game is not to everyone's tastes, being able to witness an officially sanctioned, professionally pressed release of such a famous game on the Dreamcast, a whole 21 years after the system's discontinuation, is a revelation in itself. I really wanted to take a moment to appreciate this port because of the hard work that was poured into it by one Dan Redfield. Running With Scissors released the source code for Postal back in 2016, saying themselves that they wanted to see a Dreamcast version produced. Whether that was a joke or not doesn't matter because Dan was the person who stepped up and he delivered. His painstaking work resulted in a near flawless Dreamcast port of Postal that runs at a solid 60 frames per second. It also includes compatibility with multiple Dreamcast controller options, including the twin stick and the Brook Wingman adapter. It even includes features not included in the original PC release, such as local co-op play for up to four players. Hats off to you, Dan, excellent work.
0: As tempted as I was to also pick Sonic Frontiers as my Sega game of 2022, the truth is, my honest answer needs to be Persona 5 Royal. Why? First of all, because I'm not huge on turn-based RPGs, but, much like Yakuza Like a Dragon before it, this didn't feel tedious or overwhelming like most JRPGs do for me. I thoroughly enjoyed the battles, the aesthetic, the brilliant soundtrack that it had to offer. Although it was originally released before 2022, this was the year it came to more platforms, and I'm sure that contributed to broaden its appeal. I haven't completed the game yet, but I definitely plan to go back to it and sink my teeth into what's left of this amazing RPG that everyone should definitely experience at least once. Let's put 2022 aside for a bit and focus on something else. Retro Sega. I wanted to know which Sega games not released in 2022 my guests played last year, whether a new discovery or not, and why we should all play them too. First up we have Dan, the Mega Driver. I think it's best to leave the name of the game to Dan himself.
2: A game that I discovered last year was J-League Jikyu Hono no Striker on the Sega Saturn. Now I know I've just butchered the pronunciation, but this is basically International Superstar Soccer on the Sega Saturn. There seems to be very little detail about this one online. Obviously, it never made its way west, so it was never localized. So I never knew it existed until I received it in a bundle of games I'd bought from Japan. We're massive football fans at the Sega, guys. So you can imagine how excited we were at this discovery. So ISS on the Sega Saturn, it speaks for itself. That was my discovery of 2022.
0: Scotty Moe wasn't a big fan of the Storybook series of Sonic games on the Wii, so he didn't rush to play Sonic Colors back in the day. But finally, 2022 came along. And he saw the
1: light. The Sonic Colors remake, even though that released in 2021, I didn't actually get around to playing it until 22. Um, and the reason of that is by the time it came out on the Wii in 2010, I was just knee-deep in trophy hunting for PS3, just never got around to playing it on the Wii. Uh, the soundtrack is great, the level designs are great, it's just everything you loved about Sonic and Shadows levels from Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, pretty much. Um, and the storybook games with, like, Secret Rings and Black Knight, those left a sour taste in my mouth, so... I was not in a rush to play the next Wii game of Sonic, unfortunately. So, But it is what it is. I'm glad I finally got around to it. I am glad they re-released that.
0: Sonic Yoda has a great recommendation for us all. A game I personally have on my list of games to play as soon as possible.
9: Mega Turrican. The big one is Mega Turrican. Now, while I have played that game before, um, we got the Turrican anthology collections from uh, Strictly Limited last year. Well, they finally got delivered to me. And um, I actually played through Mega Turrican for the first time to completion, which was a great experience. Really good run and gun with platforming segments and stuff. Uh, if you like a bit of Metroid, um, yeah, Turricans. Mega Turrican on Mega Drive is probably the closest thing you get into that. It's a really good game. Incredible soundtrack by Chris Hulsbeck, which I would highly recommend listening to. Um, great graphics. Just a really fun game. Uh, a lot more approachable than Turrican 1 and 2, which are a lot more difficult. Uh, Mega Turrican or Turrican 3 is very much um, yeah, just a, a friendlier take on that formula and certainly worth playing. I think that's probably the one which, I, even though I technically didn't discover it last year, I did complete it for the first time last year. So it's nice to finally have that ticked off the bucket list. Really good game, really worth, well worth checking out. Uh, and yeah, now readily available via the Turrican, uh flashback collection.
0: It seems Renato Almeida has two stories to tell us about retro Sega games he played last year.
10: The first one is about Diddy Crew, the arcade game uh, from back in the day. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's from the early 90s, but it can be from the late 80s, I'm not sure. But it is a, a beaten up game, and I feel that this is one of one of those uh, forgotten older brothers you know it, it, Sega has so much and so many good beaten up games for the Mega Drive and also for the other systems uh, like the Saturn and Dreamcast but uh, D.D. Crew was a game that I've never heard before and never never saw it as well and I saw that there was a lot of people saying bad things about the game but because of the colorf- colorful graphics and because it's a game from one of my beloved beloved generous you know uh, I had a chance to play and I enjoyed my experience with it the game is has its limitations but if you have also some, some if you can keep your uh, expectations in check I think you can get some fun, fun out of it you know and I, I even thought about the possibility of seeing this game on a new Sega Astro City you know some new model or something like that but 2022 was also uh, the year in which I discovered new installments in sports franchises from, from Sega and by Sega. So I decided to expand on my collection of GameCube games. And I bought some, some basketball games, NHL and also NFL and etc. And it was really good because those games are not that much expensive and I really like them. I've been playing sports games since the Master System. And it was really good to expand on that. And I, I have a lot of fun with those. And my collection, it's very thankful now So I, had, because I've had the chance to put more games in it, especially classics like NBA 2K3 and etc.
0: Brian's retro answer is more of an experience than a specific game. But a great one at that.
5: Gameworks here in Seattle, it's a... Um, an arcade. It was originally uh, a joint venture between Sega and DreamWorks and a couple of other companies, um, and they uh, opened it back in, like, 97, Um, and it was fashioned to be, like, a a high-tech amusement park of sorts. It was a pretty cutting-edge showcase of of Sega's big games at the time as well as a number of uh, attractions um, that were really cool. But over the years, it kind of went downhill. They uh, got rid of the attractions. They closed a bunch of their, I don't know, 20-something locations they had throughout the hemisphere. Um, and uh, it really just became a shell of its former self. Ownership changed hands a few times between various venture capital firms. i pretty sure they filed for bankruptcy at least once or twice. I mean, it was an American arcade in the 2010s. I guess, what else are you going to do? But I I loved going there when I was a kid in its heyday, and uh, for, I guess, fairly obvious reasons in hindsight, I um, stopped going as an adult. And I didn't realize how much I'd miss it uh, once they announced that they were going to close it at the end of 2021. But in a shocking turn of events, a couple of the former managers ended up buying it and announcing they were going to reopen it last summer. Um, And so since then... I've been having a blast just making up for lost time and trying not to take it for granted. I've been going there as often as I can. Um, Now, granted, it's, like I said, it's not what it used to be, and um, a lot of the machines are kind of worse for wear. They could use some repairs, some replaced capacitors and the like, but... Uh, I gotta say, it's so much fun just having a place to go and wind down after work, grab a beer, and vibe with some of my favorite arcade games. I mean, they got a lot of cool stuff still. I mean, they have like, House of the Dead 2 through 4. They got a couple of the later uh, Time Crisis games. They got Dead Storm Pirates. They have a ton of shooters. Ghost Squad, uh, plus my favorite one, L.A. Machine Guns. I don't know if you ever get a chance to... to play that if you haven't in an arcade. It's got like a mounted turret, and then it has a platform you stand on, and it just rumbles all to hell with all the chaos happening on screen. Um, and it is just one of the most kinetic, addicting shooters I've ever played. Uh, highly recommend it. And of course, I always have to play the racing games. They got Daytona 2 with the hydraulic cabs. They have um, Cruise and Blast. They got F three fifty five challenge with the um, three monitor cab. Man, I've sunk so many credits in that. It never gets old. Um, they, you know, they got music stuff. They got a few DDR machines, Beat Mania. They got uh, a Beat Saber VR setup. I've been playing a lot of Star Wars Arcade and Afterburner Climax, and I could go on. <laughs> but the point is, I just been having a blast making up for lost time and rediscovering all of these amazing games and experiencing them in ways that I just can't easily replicate at home, no matter how many light guns or racing wheels or fighting sticks that I buy.
0: As for the Shenmue Dojo, guys, James decided to highlight new-ish hardware.
3: Okay, well, I'm not going to go for game as such. I'm going to go for the Mega Drive Mini 2, which launched incredible actually i've got both the japanese model and the pal model so uh, quite various game libraries there i just love the attention to detail that they put into those machines all the little accessories that came with the japanese model as well which was amazing i I love stuff like that little mega cd2 add-on it just looks quality on the shelf and yeah just, well, getting back into these sort of classic Sega titles on the Mega Drive, and obviously they threw in some cool Sega CD titles there, which is nice to see. I just had a lot of fun on that mini console. They've just done a stellar job of releasing mini consoles. I think Sega are probably doing it the best out of all the companies, in my opinion. With the Mega Drive Mini, the Astro City Minis have been amazing as well. Um, hopefully they kind of follow that trend with them. I don't know what the next one's going to be, Saturn Dreamcast, or what do you think they do with Mega Drive Mini 3, Matt?
4: they would be pushing <laughs> that one.
3: As for Matt, a Saturn and arcade classic was what
0: he enjoyed in 2022.
4: I've been playing a lot of Virtua Cop since the old Mm. Pandemodium 4-hour documentary got me playing that again. Um, Yeah, I just love it. Old school arcade shooter.
3: How are you playing that, by the way? Are you using a light gun or just...
4: I'm having to use a pad, unfortunately, but I'll take what I can get in these days and age.
3: I really
0: enjoyed Lewis Cox's answer to this question. Listen as he mentions some fan-made translations that are now available for you to experience even more Dreamcast games that you probably couldn't before due to the language barrier.
11: So moving away from new releases, we even had games from the Dreamcast past that got a chance to shine once again. Thanks to hard-working members of the community translating Japanese exclusive titles into English, English speakers have been able to experience titles that were previously off-limits to them due to the language barrier. In 2022, we saw English translation patches released for the likes of Radagy, Chaos Field, Panzer Front, Puyo Puyo N, and Run Equals Dim as Black Soul. In 2022, I was personally able to dedicate some time to playing through Naple Arcea in Daydream, a whimsical, colorful 2.5D platformer from Sega that never got a Western release. Thanks to an excellent patch by Cargood and Espenite released back in 2019, I think I found one of my new all-time favorite games. Featuring fun gameplay, a charming cast of characters, and an absolutely incredible soundtrack by Yoko Kano, I implore that everyone gives Tail* a go, as it is a shining example of why fan translations are so important for this system.
0: Lime won Yakuza Like a Dragon in a giveaway and decided to stream it. How did that
7: go? Yakuza Like a Dragon, or Like a Dragon 7 I think it's called now. I figured that, you know, at some point I'll check out the series. I didn't have any expectations of it, but then I won the game and I gave away. And so I figured that, yeah, okay, why not stream it? And I did. And I, I, I was blown away. I don't think I've cried so hard on stream before because, oh, my gosh this game takes you on a roller coaster. It doesn't only make you cry, it makes you laugh, and it makes you go like, WTF, what is this game? With, with side stories and enemies, it's it goes really the crazy route, and I'm here for it. I so love it. Other than that, I've always enjoyed, you know, these um, turn-based battle systems and you, you level up and you have different abilities. So yeah, I so much loved that game and I'm definitely going to go through other games in the series.
0: Kopke played a lot of retro Sega last year, but gave a special mention to Rieko Kodama
6: games. I did a lot of Sega retro gaming on 2022, particularly Saturn fighting games. But also other further generation games like Iberto Striker 4, Panzer Dragon Orta, which by the way looks incredible on with the Xbox backwards compatibility. So if you can run it like in, in, in that upscaling with those uh, frame rate and it really looks really, really, really good. And believe it or not, I also went back to uh, Billy Hatcher. So I guess that the highlight would be that since discovering the sad passing of uh, Riko Kodama, I went and played some of her titles, some of uh, them on the Master System, which some of them never got here. And I also am very fond of Magic Knight Radyard, so I hope someday Sega re-releases this game and others and makes a collection out of them. And maybe that way people can give them a shot. Like, Radyard is a really good RPG that doesn't get um, very... um, very much recognition, and maybe it is the the topic of a licensing, but uh, it is a really good Sega-made in-house RPG, so it deserves a a lot more of a spotlight. Well, since the current retro market has gotten expensive, I wonder why Sega hasn't explored the idea of uh, old console reprints or or games for those consoles in in case of reprints. For example, Saturn and Dreamcast were from the CD era and we still have machines that can print some of those so maybe sega can reprint some of the older games and that would really ease and drop the price of some of those very expensive titles and allow new generations to legally afford them and use the reselling market because it's gotten pretty expensive but I guess uh, the merch team doesn't want to do something about it or maybe some kind of thing with expenses and, and stuff like that. Well, like instead of investing on more mini consoles, maybe that's another scapegoat for income. But anyway, it's up to them.
0: This past year, I also experienced a lot of retro Sega games I hadn't before. While I could mention a few, the highlight is definitely Jet Set Radio Future. Being a massive fan of the original Dreamcast game, I always wished I could play its sequel. Alas, that didn't happen before 2022. I'm not entirely sold on the changes they made to the original formula, as I think I still prefer the original in most aspects, but JSRF is a great game in its own right, and one I think every fan of the first game should experience for themselves. Recommended. For my next question, I wanted to broaden our horizons and not focus exclusively on Sega. We're all gamers, so which game takes, objectively speaking, the award of Game of the Year? The overall best of 2022. Sega, non-Sega, anything goes as long as it was released last year. Elden Ring seemed to be a popular pick among our guests. It stands choice for Game of 2022.
2: Now, my overall Game of the Year for 2022 was Elden Ring. Sorry Sonic, (laughs) Frontiers was in the lead by miles, all the way up to Christmas, but when I got Elden Ring, I was in love with it instantly. I played it for like six hours straight on Boxing Day, so much that my wife was basically screaming at me to get off it. For me, it's almost the perfect video game. Like Sonic, it doesn't hold your hand, unlike a certain Ragnarok-inspired game this year, and it mixes open world, challenge and reward in an extremely honed experience, in a fascinating setting. It's absolutely stunning and is one of the best games I've played this century. Amazing stuff.
0: Renato shares Dan's sentiments about From Software's hit.
2: It was the game that
10: I've played the most. I was really invested in the campaign. Uh, I am a die-hard fan of the Souls born series. And I did manage to bring friends that never played the series before to the universe, to the Souls universe, and I decided to help them and to spend a lot of hours playing with them, so it was easily my game of the year because of all of the content it had to offer, And it was a gorgeous game with a nice story, and the challenge was there, everything was there. So it was a flawless game, and it was the game that I played the most. It was really, really great. As for Brian... Well, Elden Ring, duh. (laughs)
5: Next? No, (laughs) that's not quite fair. I've actually gotten to a fair number of indie games this year via or mostly via Game Pass. Um, I was pretty surprised at how much time I put into stuff like Vampire Survivors, um, and also some narrative-focused like visual novel-type games. Norco was amazing. Uh, Citizen Sleeper I'm still working on, but I love that so far. Uh, Pentiment was really good, although that's not really indie because it was made by Obsidian. (laughs) But still... Um, And I also loved Dread Delusion, although I played that on Steam, but um, yeah, it really scratched that Morrowind slash early 3D action adventure or RPG and, I don't know, maybe a little bit of Eldritch Horror vibes in there. Um, It was really good.
0: Scotty Moe was delighted to go old school again with the Ninja Turtles in 2022. I have to say, I also enjoyed Shredder's Revenge very much.
1: I played that a ton. Uh, It let me kind of reconnect with people that I haven't hung out with a while uh, to be able to play, like the people that I grew up playing the Turtle Brawlers with, I was able to say, hey, let's hop on Steam because this is the best Turtles Brawler that has ever been made. So with all the characters you can play as on there, having Splinter for the first time, April for the first time, um, it's really, really cool. Just a lot of fun. They have so many homages to fighting games and different retro stuff in there. It's just... Clearly made with love and fans of the series. Um, They really knocked it out of the park with Shredder's Revenge. Really, really good.
0: Despite having spent the most time with Sonic Origins, Sonic Yoda's favorite game of the year is actually the other Sonic title released by Sega,
9: Frontiers. My favorite Sega game of 2022, even though I still haven't completed it, is Sonic Frontiers. Uh, It really blew me away, I've got to say. I was not expecting much from it. I thought the pre-release footage looked very bad, actually. Um, it was, yeah, quite disappointing to see that it looked like another 3D Sonic game was coming out and looking a bit rushed and unfinished, and it didn't look like it had the best controls. And then when I actually played the thing, couldn't have been further from the truth. I absolutely adore the controls in that game. I think the exploration is fantastic. The worlds themselves feel like they're very well populated with stuff to do and explore and find. Sonic's controls, though, is just the real highlight of that one. It's just great to play. Like, You have so much. You have so many abilities out the out the out the gate. You can you can use the drop dash. You can homing attack. You can use melee combat. Um, It's just it's honestly like any any Sonic ability that's been in a previous game prior to Sonic Frontiers has been included in Sonic Frontiers from the get go, which is just really nice. You can play it however the hell you want, which is very friendly and just like really welcomes all Sonic fans from all different generations. I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah, and I, I'm very surprised at how well the open zones came together. I think they are probably the foundation for another Sonic game that I would love to see in the future. Really expand on those, actually just make them the main focus instead of having like the, the little action stages take away from the experience of the open zones. I think the open zones themselves were so strong that they could be the focus of a complete game, and I'd love to see that in the next game. Uh, I think that would be fantastic. I'm very impressed with Sonic Frontiers, of what I've played of it, I think it is probably one of the best 3D Sonics I've played in a very long time, and yeah, I was not anticipating much from it, I didn't think it looked great in trailers, but once it started getting previewed and when I eventually played it, I realised actually, you know, it's a really well-built game with lots of control options and some great exploration.
0: From here on out, no more Sega. Jamie, for example, went with Guardians of the Galaxy and Deathloop.
9: I
8: really, really enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy game. It was so nice to play a game dedicated to storytelling and single player. Like you don't get those anymore in big title games. So I really appreciate that. And that story got me. Oh, it pulled on my heartstrings so much. If you want to experience like a a MCU level of epicness, from a different universe and just something that really just has such good storytelling and good character development you need to play the guardians of the galaxy game that came out last year you absolutely must there was another game Deathloop, was a brilliant game first person shooter um just such a good game such an interesting world such an interesting story I just love that game so much. Absolutely, must play Deathloop, and it's got a good soundtrack. James
0: picked Ghostwire Tokyo as his favorite, as it seems to have a somewhat Shenmue
3: feel to it. Ghostwire Tokyo on this map. I mean, I've been quite vocal about this game it just took me by surprise i I heard positive things about it but I wasn't expecting it to be as great as it was and coming from this sort of shemu background I think it's probably one of the few games that's actually recreated a very authentic. Japanese experience. Obviously, most of it's Tokyo-based with these skyscrapers and big tall buildings and a lot of stuff going on there, neon lights and stuff. But actually, there's other aspects to the game as well. It's kind of a bit more Shenmue sort of vibes, Shamu 1 vibes with residential sort of areas and these little smaller little towns and villages that you can explore as well so I, I really think they've probably done the best job of recreating a japanese sort of vibe i i know Matt, i've been quite vocal about it on the yeah. show and, and managed to get you to play it as well but i also went out my way to pick up some like just random items like a daruma dur- like this little paper mache sort of
4: oh yeah yeah
3: doll thing and a foot in which was like a wind chime and these i even picked up you know how you collect the, the prayer bracelets yeah oh, I even went on uh, amazon and bought some prayer bracelets <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> so i, I kind of got into that game uh, if you can tell them
0: the brilliance of the storytelling in god of war ragnarok won over matt last year
4: mine's a little bit predictable ghostwire is excellent thoroughly impressed me um but my mine is um God of War, Ragnarok. If you want storytelling, honestly, it is fantastic. Yes, the gameplay is a little repetitive, but the storytelling is amazing. And the ending punches you in the feels. It really does. I was thoroughly impressed with it.
0: Although he played a lot of non-Sega games, and while not exactly a 2022 game, the best game Kopke played last year was Forza Horizon 5.
6: Man, Turn 10 really knows how to deliver uh, their r- r- racing games. Nowadays, like, Gran Turismo really seems like really behind that, that series. Uh, I really hope that Sega does a racing franchise collab DLC with those guys, because, well, Sega isn't doing anything with Outrun, Sega Rally, or other of their series, and Forsyth's Celebrating its anniversary and many of the racing games from Sega also are releasing or celebrating anniversaries and maybe a collab which Sega has, doesn't have to develop and really give the racing people what they want would be good. So team up with the Forza guys. As for me,
0: I was a bit torn between Persona 5 Royal and the non-Sega game. Objectively speaking, though, my overall game of the year is probably Tunic. I can't describe how brilliant this game is, and the genius idea of not holding your hand but just giving you slight hints at what you should be doing as you progress through the world and story and unlock abilities and pages of the in game manual that's amazing. It brought out a lot of feelings of nostalgia while being a new game that I spent a lot of time with, thanks to Game Pass. Highly recommended. Getting back into Sega in 2022, let's face it, Sega isn't just games. There are many particular aspects to what makes the company stand out to us fans. So I asked my guests to highlight their favorite moment or experience related to Sega in 2022. While most of them mentioned Sonic, there were some unique perspectives as well. Dan went, like many of our guests, with the return of Sonic and mentioned his and James's own return to the podcasting world.
2: It's hard to pick one, but Sonic getting a new film, TV show, compilation, and wholly new mainline entry really hit home in a big way. It's like Sonic is finally back. Outside of Sonic, though, bringing the Sega guys back from hiatus and making our proper YouTube debut was a personal highlight for James and I.
0: More Sonic for Scotty Mo, but this time with a side of RGG Studio love.
1: I will say that Sonic Prime, the Netflix TV show, was a big surprise. Uh, as an adult growing up with the multitude of Sonic cartoons, those are a little hard to go back to sometimes. I was surprised how much I enjoyed Sonic Prime, though, and actually found myself laughing out loud at some of the jokes. They they definitely threw stuff in there for adults, thankfully. But, um, no, in terms of just Sega overall, it's really awesome to see more people learning about the Yakuza and the Judgment series. It's its really starting to gain popularity outside of Japan in a bigger way, I think. So that's really cool to see. Uh, but it is, and you know, it's also kind of not related to that at all, but it's the small things. And with the Sonic Origins collection, um, the collection was kind of ho-hum. It, it it wasn't the best one they put out of Sonic games, but I love, 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 love that they put portions of that Sonic Symphony show in there from 2021 because that whole show was just a great, like wholesome surprise performance. Um, And I I fear that it might get lost to YouTube if they don't release it in some other way, like a DVD or Blu-ray or something. So it was really, really cool to see portions of that show unlockable in Sonic Origins.
0: Jamie celebrated the Sonic 2 movie and gives us a hot take on Sonic Frontiers too.
8: It has to be the movie. The movie was the highlight. The the Sonic the Hedgehog two movie was the highlight of twenty twenty two. The Sonic Prime, it's fine. It's it's it isn't doing anything particularly exciting for me, but it's fine. It's good, but like I prefer Sonic Boom. There I said it. I said it. Um, and Sonic Frontiers, again, a great new direction for Sonic, but. Uh, in the same way Sonic Adventure was a game changer for the direction of Sonic, but has not aged well, that is Sonic Frontiers. Everyone loves it right now because it is something bold and new and needed for Sonic. But in 10 years' time, I don't think that game's going to stand up as well. This is just my opinion. Just my opinion. Uh, it's not as timeless as I think some other Sonic games are, 2D and 3D.
0: Matt and James are unanimous on their
3: praise for Sonic in 2022. Overall, highlight of Sega in twenty twenty two. I think is the Sonic series they've released yeah. to the movie this year or last year rather. They released Sonic Origins, which did a pretty good job of bringing back the the classic games there. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Sonic Frontiers, which is amazing. Like you say, Matt, the best Sonic game for a good long while. And also Sonic Prime on Netflix, which I don't know if you've seen that yet, Matt. But I haven't. No. A lot of Sonic stuff happened last year. It was like the year of Sonic, which. 2022 was pretty good actually for a Sonic fan at least. It was. While mentioning Sonic Origins and its interconnected story with
0: brilliant animated cutscenes, Renato also highlighted Soul Hackers 2.
10: I have to include Soul Hackers 2. It was great as I've previously mentioned, but I also spent a lot of time with Sonic Origins. Uh, Sonic is my favorite character from the from the whole Sega library <laughs> and it was a great game and I really enjoyed the fact that you could play uh, from the first one until the, the until Sonic and Knuckles like in a big all connected story and the extras are great so I spent uh, so much time trying to complete those games uh, on, on my Steam account it was really really great it was uh, I, I think it was a, a great way to bring uh, a new Sonic Collection series uh, for, the, for, the, for, the new, for a new audience and for fans, so I really liked the, the release. And in general, I was pretty happy and excited with all of the announcements by the RGG team. I'm also uh, one of the die-hard fans from the Like a Dragon series. Now it's the Like a Dragon series, not the Yakuza series anymore and when we had the, that event in japan uh, talking about the future of the series and and bringing the news about the next next games and revealing that Kazuma Kiryu was going to be back and also uh, like a dragon ishin which is a game that i never never thought we, were, we would see like a western release That was really amazing. I didn't watch the the show live because of the different time zone. It was very difficult to follow. But uh, in the next morning, I was very happy. I woke up and I started to read the news and it was really great. The feeling of seeing one of your favorite franchises getting so much new content is amazing. And it is really well-deserved. The series is super, super Super great, and everybody has to try and give this series a chance because it's uh it's amazing, really amazing.
0: Sonic Yoda really enjoyed the homebrew and fan game scene in 2022. The sheer quality and amount of releases were enough to make this his Sega highlight of the year. You love to see it.
9: I think I want to highlight community stuff. Um, I think the homebrew and fan game scene last year was. Just incredible, some of the stuff that they were coming out with. Homebrew-wise, we were getting things like a port of Unreal to the Sega Saturn. A, a complete, like, Dreamcast version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection. Lots of homebrew Mega Drive games are happening. We're getting that... There's a, there's a, there's a homebrew port of Final Fight coming to Mega Drive, which looks incredible, and there's an an amazing demo of that kicking around at the moment. Fan games, you know, like, they were there was loads of them last year. We had Sonic Omens, we had Sonic on the Fallen Star, we had Sonic Triple Trouble 16-bit. Just some incredible work coming from the fan scene at the moment. Like, just really interesting, unique fan games and homebrew projects. And they seem to be coming out so frequently at the moment, which is just a real rarity. For a long time, if you were in a fan game or homebrew scene, you would be following a project for absolutely ages and just you know get a, getting a trickle of a demo here and there but to be having full releases and this frequently uh, in in a single year is quite miraculous to be honest with you i think that has been my real highlight from this year the fans and the homebrew scene in particular are just doing some incredible stuff and making old systems sing like it's it's incredible to see what you can get running on dreamcast and saturn nowadays it's 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 amazing and I, I want to, you know, hats off to those those guys because I think they're doing incredible work, and I want to see more of that going into the future. I think that is really exciting, and yeah, like honestly, please go and check out a lot of that homebrew and and, and fan game stuff from last year because it's just the the level of quality in those in those releases for, for stuff developed in bedrooms by you know independent developers. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing to experience.
0: Lime consistently delivers when it comes to good vibes, and this time he picked a personal moment as his highlight of 2022. I wonder how many of our listeners are hardcore time attackers. You should all challenge Lime to beat your best times.
7: My overall highlight of Sega 2022 was definitely me going into a time attack race with uh, Sam Procrastinates it was absolutely so much fun uh, I just got Sonic uh, Origins and I was practicing for a race against uh, Dr. Skotnik and so I wanted to learn the levels and I did and uh, then in the time attacks I saw oh hey um Sam procrastinates has a very good time. I'm on a try to bait him. And um, after a while, after so much, so many tries, I finally got to a point where I'm like, hey, I actually did it. Amazing. And so then I tweeted about it. I didn't even at them or anything. I figured that, yeah, no, I'm not going to be an attention grabber like that. But someone else did. And so um, Sam answered back, like, oh, hey, congratulations. And then attached a photo of him having beaten my time. And I was like, oh, this is on. And so then I beat his time, and then very quickly he beat my time. And then we continued like that until we like, both got to a point where I'm like, this is so difficult right now. That really pushed my limits of what I thought was possible for me to do. I've gotten times on um, Emerald Hill Zone that I never, ever, ever thought I would ever be able to do. So that was amazing. It was such a good time.
0: I agree with most of what has been said already. I enjoyed and am still enjoying a lot of the content that the homebrew and fan game community has put out last year. The Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie was also a great moment, but personally, the thing that stood out was Sonic Frontiers and what it can mean for the future of the series. Its flaws have been mentioned by some, and we will have more time to dissect the game in a future episode of The Lounge. But I believe this is the foundation for a better future for 3D Sonic. If Sonic Team are able to build on what they did with Frontiers, I think we'll have not just good but amazing 3D Sonic games in the years to come. Having been a fan of the Blue Blur for so long, it's only fair that this was my overall highlight of the year. Finally, 2023 is here. So I wanted my guests to share their Sega-related expectations for the current year. And this is where I got a great variety of answers. First up, Jamie Eggman chose to highlight an upcoming community event for Sonic fans in the UK.
8: I'm very much looking forward to the Sonic Fan Fest, because it's coming to Bristol. It's from the people who did the Western Supersonic conventions. Now they're going bigger than ever, and they're doing an event in the city of Bristol, which I live near. So I will be there. Um, I'm very excited for that because I miss Summer of Sonic and I miss Sonic conventions in the UK. So it will be so great to see a community event again of some scale. I'm really looking forward to that. If you haven't bought tickets already, look it up. Sonic Fan Fest. Look it up. So, so good. So, so good. Can't wait.
0: Scotty Moe was able to find some balance between his dreams and realistic expectations with his
1: answer. I know it's so much of a long shot, but Panzer Dragoon Saga, Burning Rangers, both of those are hitting their 25th anniversaries, come on guys, along with so many other things that were released in 98, but... I mean, even an announcement of something would be amazing for either of those, or some sort of crazy cool merchandise, I'd I'd gobble that up real quick. Uh, I mean, heck, the Dreamcast, that came out in 98 in Japan, so that is hitting its 25th anniversary this year. So let's get that mini out, right? Right? Huh? Eh? Quit hinting at stuff, huh? Uh, but that also means Sonic Adventure... Uh, Hits its 25th anniversary, so get ready for those rumors of the remakes yet again Uh, Realistically though, I am excited to check out the Sonic Frontiers DLC uh, The one that lets you play as Knuckles because that's he's my favorite Sonic character So that'd be really cool to play as Knuckles in a new game Uh, And Sega did mention, though, that they were exploring remakes and remasters, so maybe it's time to get like a full-fledged Jet Set Radio, like online multiplayer thing going or a new Crazy Taxi or something. They mentioned those series. I, I would only play a new Crazy Taxi, though, if The Offspring's involved. Come on. We, that, you can't, you have to do that, right? And anyone that knows what I'm talking about just screamed, yeah, five times, I think. So, I mean, let's do it. Let's make the year Dreamcast again, right?
0: Sega Guy Dan is looking forward to what RGG Studio has in store for us this year. If Like a Dragon Ishin* is any indication, this may end up being the Year of the Dragon for Sega fans.
2: I'm hoping we see some surprises from Sega. 2022 was amazing, but so far, 2023 doesn't look quite as busy. I am excited for Like a Dragon Isshin though, and the man who erased his name. So, both of them coming this year. I've just finished Yakuza 6 in 2022, hoping to get onto Like a Dragon or Yakuza 7, so I can't wait to get up to date and experience those two new entries when they come over.
0: Brian's answer started with the mention of a game I also started earlier this year, but one I haven't played much yet. Guess I need to get back to it.
5: Honestly, I may have already played it. Um, I recently played through Rent-A-Hero Number 1 for the first time. And I was frankly blown away by how endearing and absurdly charming and earnest this game is. Holy cow. It's definitely an action RPG that kind of scratches that Yakuza itch in a way I also wasn't expecting. Maybe even a little bit of Shenmue, which I guess makes sense because it is a remake of AM2's original Mega Drive Genesis game of a similar name, rent a Hero. And for this remake, I believe one of the producers was Toshihiro Nagoshi, so I think it all kind of comes full circle. But holy crap, what an amazing game. So yeah, Renta Hero number 1 is absolutely a game that's going to stick with me for a very long time to come. Um, And I think the Dreamcast version, which was only released in Japan originally, um, there is a fan translation that I think is going to come out this year at some point uh, from Vincent and L and a variety of folks who are helping with that project. So so I'm really looking forward to that. And I think that actually makes Rent-A-Hero number one, uh, both my favorite game of 2022 that I uh, discovered for the first time, as well as my most anticipated Sega-related or Sega-adjacent game of 2023. So that's efficiency. Although I guess we're also getting three Yakuza or Like a Dragon games this year, and uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk is looking really cool. And then there's a Switchback VR, which isn't a Sega game per se, but man, it definitely carries on that House of the Dead DNA. If the first Until Dawn Rush of Blood was anything to go by, that's going to be pretty fantastic for PSVR 2. And of course, Cosmic Smash is a thing again for some reason, which I'm not complaining. Man, this is going to be an awesome year for Sega stuff, or at least Sega-related, Sega-adjacent, Sega-inspired games. 2023 is gonna rock.
0: Brian does seem to have high expectations for this year. I hope I didn't just jinx it. Me too, Brian. Me too. As for Matt and James, Shenmue 4. Yes! Shenmue 4 all the
4: way. Outside of the Accuser games that are going to come out this coming year, which I've both got on order, Uh, Shenmue 4, please.
3: (laughs) I was going to say the same, Matt. I was going to say, very briefly, there's one thing you're expecting from Sega in 2023. Shenmue 4.
4: (laughs) That's it. Shenmue 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 4. That's all we want. (laughs) That's all we want. Not
3: particularly expecting it, but come on, Sega.
0: Sonic Yoda hopes Sega take their IP in-house and do great things with them in
9: 2023. The thing I really want to see from Sega is I want to see them take their own IP back in house and do something with it. I really appreciate that they do license out their old IP and let other developers take control of it for a little while. We've had some really interesting, you know, developments in that front. We've had remakes of Panzer Dragoon, House of the Dead, and you know, sequels to Streets of Rage, and remakes of Alex Kidd in Miracle World. That's cool and all. I love that that is happening, and I'm and I'm glad it's happening. But at the same time, I want to see Sega take control of their own IP. It seems weird to me that we're getting those games and there isn't a Sega logo on the box. Um, I really think Sega really need to utilize their own IP more. They've got so much classic IP that just is sitting in a limbo somewhere and not being used or utilized in any particular way. And I think they need to actually up their game a little bit with their own IP. It's strange that the focus at the moment is just on Sonic, Yakuza, Football Manager, and some strategy stuff on PC. You know, like that. That doesn't feel like Sega to me. That, that there's a, there's a few things there that feel very Sega-y, but a lot of it feels very much a case of like, okay, well, you know, we've had a a lot of success in the PC space, so I guess we need to sort of like keep doubling down on that. But what a shame to have all this amazing IP just sitting around doing nothing and just occasionally taking, you know, pitches from independent developers and going, all right, yeah, you can have the license, go for it, and not really giving it the full marketing push. I want Sega to take control of that. I want to see Sega go, all right, we're doing a new Golden Axe. All right, we're doing a new Crazy Taxi. We're doing a new Jet Set Radio and actually doing it themselves or getting a developer in-house and then publishing it themselves and giving it the big marketing push. That needs to be happening more with Sega in 2023. I think it's a real shame that they don't do that more often, and I really want to see more of it, to be honest with you.
0: Renato Almeida hopes Sega maintains the consistency they've shown in 2022. Seeing all of his favorite series getting more into the public eye than before and getting more awareness from the general gaming public is his wish for this year.
10: So what I expect uh, from Sega this year is to keep the same consistency that we saw during 2022, Investing in the relationship with the fans and uh, bringing the same level of uh, commitment to its brands and to the community. So, uh, we will see some great game releases this year, some things that are already announced. And I see that for the last couple of years, the, some, some years back, the level of consistency in terms of uh, new launches and new releases was great and I expect that to be the same story for this year. I know that they have uh, amazing teams all over the world and people that uh, really love what they're doing and uh, on this side, the side of the fans, uh, we will keep uh, receiving everything with our open hearts and other than that, I really expect that the series that I love the most uh, also get this amazing momentum and keep this momentum and try to reach new audiences as well for instance i've mentioned the like a dragon series but also the persona series and shimigami tensei and sonic and all of the characters and obviously obviously i have to mention the classics from the company there are so so many uh, classics that are in their like in their projects uh, session, I know that they are working something with those brands in those titles. So maybe this year is the year that we will see lots of those uh, famous brands getting a resurgence. And I'll be there to uh, to cheer and to and to support and to help to spread the news for sure. So it's going to be a great year, and I do hope we can uh, savor these moments all together.
0: Kopke hopes for more announcements, more remasters, and more cross-platform games. No
6: more exclusives, please. In 2023, I really expect Sega to step up their game announcement and releases and deliver better things. So I know the times have been very, very rough and hectic. So it has made the development process really difficult. But I hope like this becomes a better year. Or at least allow some of expected requested remasters to see the light of day sometime. Like maybe explore Saturn and Dreamcast titles or remasters or ports. But please, please for the love of God, make this time these ports available on all platforms. Exclusivity, it is what dooms many of these efforts. We've seen that many, many years with the Sega Ages collections and stuff like that. So the more you seclude these titles... The lesser amount of people having access to them, so it is very important that if you're gonna deliver stuff that has M2 involved in it, make it available for everyone. Like really exclusivity dooms these amazing projects, so don't do that. Make it for everyone, uh, or maybe try delivering requested ports like the Skies of Arcadia. Now that Rico Kodama unfortunately has passed away, or a collection of their games, of her games. Or maybe try exploring sequels. For example, uh, Shin Sakura Tyson 2 would be appropriate now that fans are translating the games and people can go back to those titles. So, or at least port it, port the first one to PC or Xbox or something like that. Do something with your backlog. Like you're already doing it for other titles like Persona series on Atlas. So why not explore your own? Yeah. So doesn't make sense anymore. It seems, uh, like the current times are making hard to invest in heavy hitters, but I hope that SEGA does better these years, or at least explore the idea I already gave of uh, doing retro console title reprints.
0: Finally, Lewis Cox delivers a very short statement about the prospects of yet another great year for the Dreamcast scene.
11: 2023 is already looking to be another great year for the Dreamcast. With new indie games and other community projects on the horizon, there's never been a better time to be a fan of the Dreamcast.
0: As fun as video games are, we sometimes tend to forget the people behind the works of art that make us so happy. That's why I think it's fitting that we conclude this retrospective of 2022 with Brian's heartfelt tribute to Ryuko Kodama, who sadly passed away last year. Words like trailblazer or star have often been used to describe her, and her influence can also be seen by the title First Lady of RPGs, which is commonly used to refer to Kodama-san. So here's Brian sharing his feelings over the loss of this Sega and industry legend.
5: One other thing, and I'm not sure where this goes in the episode, but I do feel like I'd be remiss if I um, didn't mention or try to pay tribute to uh, the legend that we lost in 2022, um, and that is Rieko Kodama, who was an incredible artist, producer, and director of a number of some of the greatest RPGs that Sega's ever made and that have ever existed in just period. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can't <laughs> express how much her work, particularly, uh, Skies of Arcadia and Phantasy Star 4, uh, have meant to me over the years. Um, I grew up with Skies of Arcadia and, uh, There's just something about the expressiveness and earnestness of those characters um, and that world and just the whole sense of adventure that that game embodied. Um, And for me personally, just the thrill of discovery and exploring new places and traveling to worlds beyond my own, Um, particularly... Growing up in a rural area with parents that didn't have a lot of money to afford to travel with me, uh, Skies of Arcadia just meant a lot in how it kind of opened me up to some of those experiences in its own way. I'm uh, incredibly saddened at uh, Kodama-san's passing uh, she was an amazing talent um going all the way back to her work on the Master System as well as art director for um the original Fancy Star she also produced Deep Fear on the Sega Saturn which is an incredible survival horror game um the environmental st- storytelling in that is fantastic um she uh, I think she was director credited as director on Magic Knight Ray Earth, uh, which regrettably I have not actually played. So that is something I greatly look forward to doing in 2023. But yeah, I, I just wanted to take some time to <laughs> acknowledge um, the profound impact that she's had on me and so many Sega fans out there.
0: fitting tribute and a nice way to close our retrospective of SEGA in 2022. A big thank you to Brian for that. I'd also like to thank all of our other guests for their willingness in taking part in this. And that also goes for those who were invited to take part but sadly weren't able to due to lack of time or changing circumstances in their lives. Now that you've heard from our panel of guests, I want to know what your highlights of 2022 were. Please drop me a line on Twitter at The Sega Lounge, or comment on the episode page on our website. Do you agree with what we said? Do you have different expectations or even some predictions for 2023? Let me know! Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I'll be back next week with our first proper interview of the season, and I'm really excited for you to listen to our next few episodes, as we've got some great guests lined up already. Have a wonderful week, and be sure to come back next time. Bye bye The Sega Lounge, hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opussciencecollective.bandcamp.com Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to podcast at thesegalounge.com Find us at The Sega Lounge on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. a Mixed on Productions
6: podcast.